Welcome to Signs from the Other Side with Fern Rone. I'm your host, Fern Rone, and this is the place to share stories of signs and messages received from the other side. Today, I am joined by my friend, author Kathleen Gerard. Kathleen is the author of In Transit, which won Best Romantic Fiction at the New York Book Festival, as well as Cold Comfort, a story that deals with the bonds of family, something we can all relate to. And her most recent novel, The Thing Is, is a romantic comedy that deals with the nature of grief when a blocked and depressed romance writer has her life unwittingly changed by a crafty therapy dog, a Yorkshire terrier named Prozac, supernatural insights into the human condition. Kathleen's short fiction has been nominated and awarded many literary prizes, including the Saturday Evening Post Great American Fiction Prize, the Mark Twain House Humor Prize, the Irma Bombeck Writing Award, and Best New American Voices, all national prizes in literature, and her prose and poetry have been widely published in literary journals, magazines, anthologies, and broadcast on NPR. Kathleen! (laughs) That is such a bio. How does it feel to have it read back to you? <laughs> uh, maybe it's someone else. <laughs> I'm not sure. No, Fern, thank you so much for having me on this show. I got to tell you, I'm such a fan of your work. I loved Better in the Morning, and I love this podcast. And I'm, oh, I'm such a believer. You. Oh, well, thank you. But I'm such a believer in the science from the other side that I just I wish I got more of my own a lot of times. So I think I tune in regularly just so I stay attuned. My signs are never as extraordinary as your other guests. I They're think like, they are because I, well, I know what we're going to talk about. And I, I think they, they really are. And I'm just so excited. And I love The Thing Is. And everyone who listens to this podcast, please get The Thing Is. Adorable dog on the cover. You got the right book and you will love it. So um, um, I'm so excited that oh, we're doing too. this. Oh, me too. Like I said, I, I just I just think it's great because I my signs, I don't know, I think compared to the other guests that you've had on, and I am a faithful listener of this program, I sometimes ask for signs and I don't always get them. But when I yeah. listen to the show, it keeps my antenna raised because you re- I think you really have to be wanting to see those signs and wanting to believe yeah. in them. And I'm so glad you encourage everybody to look for them. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like... Um, I've asked for signs, too, and I feel like I, and I haven't gotten them, you know, at times when I've asked. And then um, I've asked for signs, and I forget that I asked. (laughs) And then they pop up and surprise me. And I'm like, I think it's because I'm asking for them because it's a time when I need it. My mind isn't quiet. I'm I'm experiencing stress. I need kind of like, you know, an answer from, from them that it's going to be okay. Sometimes I ask and then I forget that I ask and I'm just so busy in my head and I, I'm yeah. in my head too much that I don't see them when they come. So I think, yeah. I think, yeah, I think it happens a lot. And I think it's good to ask for the signs and then get quiet and, and then they'll appear, I think. Yes, because sometimes so. I ask and I get like impatient, like just a little <laughs> sign, something. I know. <laughs> but you got, I think you really have to be attuned and I think your show really mm-hmm. cultivates that in the people that listen. So I think it's terrific. Thank you. That means so much. Thank you so much. So while you were working on the thing is you had a dog that, a dog in Sicily, which is a great name. That's where your family is from in Italy, right? Right. Yeah, not not Sicily, the other spelling. It's S-I-C-I-L-Y. So, yes. Oh, I, named I love her it. For a place, and we called her Sissy, or I called her Sicily. We had two million names for her, but <laughs> uh, she, was, she was a great little dog. And she was very oh, different than all of my other. I've had a lot of Yorkies in my life. She was, let's yeah, see. She was the, your fourth Yorkie, right? 
my fourth Yorkie, but she was very quirky. She was very quirky. She wasn't like any other dog that I had. Like dogs like to go out for walks. And if mm-hmm. I said the word walk, she would go into seclusion, like hide under the couch. <laughs> and then I stopped saying the word walk and I would just go for her leash and she associated that. Then I would just think it in my head. And I really thought this dog could understand because I could have a, a feeling I'm going to take the dog for a walk. And the dog, I would see her skulk away and go under the cabinet in the dining room. She just, she didn't, she, I called her my agoraphobic dog. Yeah, she didn't <laughs> like to leave the house. But that was only one of many quirks with her. That's she was so crazy. crazy. She sounds but... like me. I don't like to leave the house. <laughs> you don't? Oh, okay. So we have something in common. It was her being so quirky that I think she served as an inspiration because, as you said in the beginning, the book is about dog I, that I named the dog Prozac, and the dog mm-hmm. comes into this writer's life to help her transcend her grief and try to get on with her life. But she doesn't like mm-hmm. dogs. She's not a dog person. So it's the whole tug and tug of war between her and the dog trying to get her to rally her spirits and change her life. You write that she passed, Sissy passed, was it two months after The Thing Is was released? Right. I had been working on the book and uh, I was going through something in my own life when I wrote the book that I was kind of stalled in my own work. I never really call it a writer's block. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, that uh, you're a writer, so you would understand this that you go through these periods like the blank page and you have to start something new. And I kind of just was like paralyzed by what am I supposed to do next? What am I doing? And people that had read my first two books, friends and people that knew me said, why are there no dogs in these two books? And I didn't even realize that at the time. And I think I was at a place with my work that I had to start something new. I was kind of facing that blank page state. And I felt, Mm -hmm. well, maybe I should take that what's happening in my life and that comment that was made to me about there was no dogs. And I said, maybe I should do that. I'm a little bit stuck. I was a little bit down in my own life with some things going Mm -hmm. on. So I said, you know, my dog is my one of my greatest joys. So I said, well, the dog could be like a sense of Prozac. And I'm like, you know what? That that could work. So it was kind of this organic mm-hmm. thing that started brewing in me. And when I sat down to write, I said, okay, I'm going to take this blocked romance writer. And then I'm going to take this dog who's, well, let me see. I took all of the quirks that my dog had. Like I said, mm-hmm. that she was agoraphobic. She didn't like to go out. And the dog came to me very, in reality, Sicily came to me through a very circuitous route. Yorkshire Terrier is a British dog, but this dog mm-hmm. that I got was born and bred in South America in Brazil. And when the dog was weaned, they shipped her to the United States and she ended up in New Jersey. And then it was a joke that then I picked this dog out and I gave her a European entity name with Italy. (laughs) So I felt like, oh, my gosh, this dog had some kind of a she had a lifespan before she was three months old. And I think that sort of worked into the whole spirit guide dog. And by that, I mean that the dog has lived for centuries, but its soul is incarnate. So the dog Mm -hmm. keeps getting reincarnated to come back. But it's not just the dog. This dog has supernatural wisdom. It understands Mm -hmm. the human condition better than a Sigmund Freud. It's got a great vocabulary, and it's got a very high opinion of itself. So it's bordering on having a doggy quality, but it also has great human perception and human insight. And I tried to do that and make make that be why the dog would become lovable and be different than other dogs that are portrayed in fiction or film. I love it. one of the early chapters. There's kind of like this meeting, like the spirit guide dog kind of like council. And I was oh, right. like, the, the I used to love this book. <laughs> Yeah, the canine dispatch board that the dog yes. actually goes behind for a committee and they have like catalogs of different people and where they're going to dispatch the dog soul to and where he will go. And, and he mm-hmm. thinks that uh, he's going to get the greatest gig in the world. He was going to go live with this older woman who would, you know, dote on him with a couple of nice sweaters and 
take mm-hmm. it to her, her her tea club and other places. And he thought, oh, this is the easiest gig. This is a softball gig. I'll be fine. And then when he gets <laughs> to the planet Earth and he goes into that role, it doesn't last very long. And there's other plans that weren't spelled out to him. So that was mm-hmm. it was just so much fun to write the dog. So much fun to read. Oh, well, thank you. I'm so glad. There's so many people that have been so kind with this book that have really said wonderful things. And it resonates with people. I think people really love their pets and their animals. I think so, too. And people feel a, a connection with them, this, a spiritual connection. Were you ever worried? Is this are people going to get? Are people going to get this? Are people going to understand? Are people going to think this is crazy? No, in a way, no, I didn't. And it's strange yeah. because I'm normally the kind of person that overthinks everything. <laughs> I'm very analytical, <laughs> and for my writing, I am too. Especially, that's why I asked the question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I, I'm always thinking, because writing is really hard for me, and I'm not a fast writer. I write a lot, and I throw a lot out. But this book, like I said, I had been in a stalled position in my life, and I sat down and I wrote, and it just started to happen. And I think when I started to write it, I was writing it really just for me, just to say, okay, in order to get going with my writing again, i got to sit down and get it going. So I, mm-hmm. I remember the day that I started, I went out on my deck. It was August. It was really hot. I took my computer. It was so hot that the computer kept shutting off. But I was like, I'm just going to write one scene. And I started mm-hmm. writing uh, one scene in the book, and it kind of just took off, and it empowered me. So I think that the whole process of writing this book was atypical, that it, usually mm-hmm. when I sit down to write, I know what I'm doing and where I'm going. Essentially, like I have a destination in mind. Like if I said I'm going to go to California, I know that's my destination. I don't know how I'm going to get there. But with this book, I wasn't even sure. All I knew is that I wanted to write about a, rock, a blocked romance writer and a dog that would make her find joy again and find purpose. So I think because of that, and it was going so well, I think it gave me an, a, a, an atypical sense of confidence in myself that I don't normally have, especially mm-hmm. in my work. So when I finished writing it, I just felt like because it had bubbled up from deep inside of me, I think it's going to be okay. It's going to find home. The only problem I guess I would say that I had was I didn't exactly know how are they going to market this book. It's not really mm-hmm. got magical realism like your book. It has magical realism, but it's really a woman's story. Thank God that I was able to to find a category and that it had a niche. And maybe the whole dog-centric culture of entertainment now, that maybe it just found the right audience at the right time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. it, did it sounds come too kind of like it, it. Yeah, it came together so perfectly, and like it almost. I know it didn't write itself, but that it almost. Um, that it was all the stars were aligned. Right, and like I, I, when I was writing it. I knew, like I said, the the two variables was the romance writer and the dog. And then I would just be open. And I don't usually, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not an open person, but when I'm writing, I like to know where I'm going. But things would happen along the way of writing. Uh, For instance, in the book, the dog Prozac, in order to fulfill, uh, he he wants to be on Broadway and he wants to be a star, Mm -hmm. a superstar. And in order Mm -hmm. to get that, um, I work into the book that his goal is if he can fulfill his objective with this mission, that he's going to come to Earth, he's going to live with this older lady, and then the, the older lady gets uh, uh, has an accident and he has to go live with this dog-averse writer. But in order to fulfill that mission and get it done, he knows if he can pass this test, he can go on and maybe be in in a in a play, and mm-hmm. uh, it could be it could be like Annie or something like that. And as I was writing the book, things would happen. Like I picked up the mail one day, and there was a postcard that Annie was having a revival in Broadway. I live in New Jersey, and I thought, ooh, that's that's great. There was like a little picture of Sandy the dog on it. I'm like, <laughs> this could maybe I could work this in the book. So little things started happening that yeah. I can't really call them signs from the other side, but I think the other side might have had a hand in directing me and saying. 
aha, I can use that and maybe put that in the book and the plot would move in that direction. So little things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was just being open to the process, which was exciting, but it was also Mm -hmm. atypical for me. After Sissy passed, and and it was was, was two months after the book was released, but she had been sick. She had Cushing, she was diagnosed with Cushing's disease, so she'd been living with it for 18 months. After she passed, you started seeing Yorkies everywhere. Yeah, I did. I did. <gasps> I, the dog actually got sick before I uh, finished writing the book, so that also worked mm. itself into the book. That not, not that the dog gets sick, but I'm saying mm-hmm. that sense of mortality, and again, mm-hmm. with the past lives, and after she had passed... Um, Things started happening. She was so sick for so long, and it was debilitating. And I had a great vet, and we worked every every month. I would go in to see her, and we would check her out. And I kept thinking, you know, what am I supposed to do? Where like, I was so uncertain of how this disease was going to progress. And she was great, and mm-hmm. she was able to walk me through it. But after she passed, I think I started to feel as if, oh my gosh, did I do right by her? Did I do everything I could? And I, you know, I was doing all this second guessing and regretting and saying oh, maybe I shouldn't have made her hang on as long as I did. And, and I, I mm-hmm. kind of just said a little prayer in my head and said, you know, if you could just let me know <laughs> wherever mm-hmm. you are. I felt so mm-hmm. grateful to this dog that she was the inspiration for this book. And the book had just been released. She actually mm-hmm. lived, trying to think, the book came out and I had two big speaking engagements aligned. And the second one was like June 1st. And I mm-hmm. said, this is a big one. I, I, had, I was going to an assisted living facility up in um, New York State, and I had to travel to go, get there. And I did the speaking engagement, and there was a lot of people at the event, and I'm not a big public speaker. But I kept saying to the dog, if you could just hang on until I can get through this, because yeah. if something happens now, it's going to be very emotional. But I did right. two days late, two days after I gave that, that uh, presentation, the dog died. Like she listened to me with that and then she died and then little signs started to happen because I, mm-hmm. I asked her in my head, I guess, or in a prayer kind of thing, mm-hmm. just if you could let me know wherever you are that I did right by you. And I never yeah. expected that my little whisper to the universe for such a small sign, suddenly there were signs everywhere. I remember the day she died, I had gone out and I, I stopped at a library on my way home to put a book back or an audio book, something in the drop. And I got back to my car, and I saw her pen still in my back seat, and I was kind of feeling sad, and I got in the car. And I was just going to pull out, and a lady came out of the library. She had a big purse over her arm. She walked right by me, and as she walked by me like a jack-in-the-box, out of her purse, a head popped up. It was a Yorkie. And I thought, literally, right outside, I, like, gasped. And I, and the lady must have heard me, and we had a conversation. And I said, oh, my oh. gosh, your dog is so cute. And I told her the story about what happened with my dog. And she's like, you have to get another one. I'm like, it just oh. happened, you know, today. I, I, just, I, I can't, you know, do that. But I was, like, so so enamored that, gee, like, that was the first sign that I had. And yeah. then I'd go out to dinner, and people would have them, like, in their, in their purses underneath the tables and stuff if I went out to eat. <laughs> I went down the shore one day, and there was a Yorkie, like, I thought I was seeing a mirage down the boardwalk. I, I guess you're from New Jersey, so you would <laughs> yeah, know what I'm talking uh-huh. about. And it wasn't a crowded beach, but uh, I thought, is that a Yorkie? And the girl came right up to me with the dog. The dog, like, ran over to me, and I was having a conversation with her. But it was, like, little things like that that I kept seeing Yorkies that kept crossing my path. And then other things would happen, too. I'm a a fine art photographer, and I was doing a project that summer with um, still lifes, and I was doing a lot with flowers and fruit. And in several pictures, I would take the pictures and not even see it at the time. i put them on my computer and do what I had to do in Photoshop. And I started looking into the shadows saying, oh, my gosh, that's like the little pointy ears of a Yorkie, or I'd see the Mm -hmm. little boxy shape of a terrier. 
And I was like, let me let me go back and you know let me clean my glasses and make sure I'm not seeing things. <laughs> this happened. This happened several times, and I would say to people, "Do you see what I see?" It and they would see it in the picture. So Incredible. that was strange too. Yeah, it was very strange. And and even uh, then, like one day, I went to the park and I had met my mom, and she would sometimes meet me there with the dog. And uh, we went to a different park this day. And we sat on a bench, and when we got up from the bench, it was one of these benches that have a plaque on it, like that it's dedicated mm-hmm. to someone. And the plaque on the bench said, um, love Sweet Pea, and there was two <gasps> paw prints. And Sweet Pea was the name I had given this dog. This um, <laughs> Sicily had had mm-hmm. something called her, another one of her quirks, submissive urination, and she would always go to the bathroom when you didn't want her to. She would get nervous <laughs> when she saw people. So that's why I called her Sweet Pea. But to come <laughs> off that bench and see that sign with the paw yes. prints, I'm like, that was incredible. bizarre. That was incredible. really bizarre. So even if it's so funny because you're like, I don't know if my signs are enough, you know, if I have enough. But that alone, I feel like if I just heard that, I would be like, that is Sicily coming through without a doubt. Like, that's enough. Like, of all of the nicknames, like, I feel like we called our cat, like, a million nicknames. But we yeah. never called him Sweet Pea. Like, that's incredible. And that uh, Sweet Pea could yeah. have been, you know, like if it just said Sweet Pea, I'd be like, oh, maybe this is like for a little kid who passed. But that there were paw prints. It's like, yes. this is your Sweet Pea making you sit on this bench and saying it's going to be okay. Exactly. I, I, I even took pictures of that bench. I had my, I didn't have my camera with me, but I had my phone. But I still have the picture saying that was just too bizarre. And, and it wasn't just yes. me. Like, I was there, like I said, with my mom, and she's like, "Gee, what is, what are the odds of that?" Right. Uh, it was just, and for and this park has a million benches. That it wasn't just like, you know, it was just a random occurrence. Uh, it's yeah. Still mind-boggling. And I kept and in the beginning, I was a little skeptical, but with that yeah. bench, I just thought that really is yeah. something. I think. Yeah. It's funny so to I think did, that I, you would go to this, like you would, you met her at this park because this wasn't like the park you would normally no, go to. Exactly. It was a different yeah. park. So it it was just it was just strange, and to think that I just asked for one little sign and I kept getting yeah. them. In the beginning, I thought, oh, it's just a coincidence, and then they were kind of getting mm-hmm. larger the signs. Mm-hmm. And then as and then the they summer kept went on, getting bigger. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, on my deck that summer, the, the Sicily used to love to sit on the deck, and I have mm. plants. But I, I, butterflies started coming around, and they weren't just monarch butterflies. I really took note. They were, like, black with this striking turquoise. There was colors like I had never seen. And, yeah, I mean, so butterflies do – yeah, they, they come around, but butterflies like I've never seen. And then yeah. later on in the summer, hummingbirds started coming around. That yeah. and I, I, we never had them before, and I haven't seen any since. But that this was like a few weeks of humming. I, I couldn't believe the first. It was amazing, just amazing. And I thought, okay, these have to all be in conjunction. This is what I asked for, and I was so yeah. grateful every time I got a sign. I just felt so grateful. And it's funny that the butterflies came in such unique colors because it was kind of like, pay attention. Like I'm trying to get your attention, and yeah, that exactly. the hummingbirds have never come back again. But like, you know, so I'm, I'm always looking for the meanings of things. And I feel like the butterfly is saying, like, this is a change. Like, it's a change for me, and it's a change for you. And then the hummingbird is kind of saying, you'll be light again. Like, you'll you'll feel good again. I know it's a heavy like feeling that. now, but you'll feel light again. And, and that they both came in that summer and that the hummingbird hasn't been back since. I think Adam. it means, like, you're all right. <laughs> We're getting you through it. 
I love the way you just put that. Exactly. That's exactly it. That uh, it just felt like it felt magical. That's the only way I yeah. could describe it. And yeah. I, like I said, I've asked for signs in the past, and this I just thought, if you just sign me a little sign, and it just kept building one on top of the other. That I thought, yeah. oh my gosh, this is this is overwhelming. And then my favorite, this one I feel like was like the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like at the end of a big performance, like when the, <laughs> when the what's that like last the like the last song in the app in the opera? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I know. This, this one's like just the, perfect. Yeah, at There's the end. There's a word for that, right? <laughs> there is a word for that. Why, we're word people. Why don't we know this? <laughs> the climax. I want to say aria or something. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the climax, the climax. Yes. Yeah, the, the last sign is really the one. And I, after this sign, though, it kind of all went away. But mm-hmm. this was a beautiful sign. It was my birthday, about a month after she passed, and uh, I was got up that day, and it was a landmark birthday for me. So I said, "Okay, I'm feeling a little bit, you know, when you get uh, birthdays are a little yeah. bit tough for me. <laughs> the happy and the birthday, I've always thought mm-hmm. is like an oxymoron or something. But on this year, <laughs> with everything that had happened, and I was kind of feeling a little down because I said, you know, the book came out, and I was happy for that. It was like this bittersweet moment. But that mm-hmm. afternoon, um, I had been with my sister. And she was over the house, and the doorbell rang, and it was the, the mailman, and she had a package for me. And I thought, ooh, what, what is this? So I take the box in, and I open it, and inside was a paw print from my veterinarian's office, and it was a paw print from Sicily. And I knew it was Sicily because she had this one crazy nail on her, on her paw. And uh, <laughs> the vet didn't know my birthday. I mean, the only mm-hmm. – if it was a coincidence, it was a very ironic coincidence that that would have been delivered right on my birthday. And I had a feeling – I just felt like this paw print was just the dog's way of finally hitting me over the head saying, now, do you get it? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> you did right by me, and I had a good life. So please yeah, think of this exactly. as my last gift to you. But after that, exactly. there was really no more signs. But I feel like the culmination, that was really, like mm-hmm. we just said, the climax of all these little signs to come. Uh, so just perfect that, I, that it was on your birthday. Yeah, that, it was the, a very... Know, the, and, and you didn't even ask for that from, like, you weren't expecting it from the day. Nope. You didn't ask for it, and she could have mailed it on any day, but she mailed it on the day that would cause it to get to you on your birthday. On my birthday. So there's no way anybody would have known that at the animal hospital. So I yeah. thought that was just... It was like, uh, you know, when the hair raises on the back of your neck or whatever they yeah. say, that was really... That was a beautiful, beautiful gift. I will always... Tre- I will treasure all of these signs... But that sign yeah. in particular, I just felt like, wow, that that was a beautiful end, I think, to everything. The, the, I should say the hummingbirds did stay around. I started to look for another dog at the end of that summer. And, nice. And the, hummingbird, and the hummingbirds, uh, as you're saying, like the hope and things with that and the mm-hmm. lighter and the healing, I'm almost wondering when you're saying that if maybe the the forces were already at work conspiring that we're going to have to get this one another another dog. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Yeah, so, how did that yeah. how did the next one come about? What's the what's the your dog that you have now? Is it a her? It's a her. Her name is Ginny and she's Aww. a Yorkie, but she's she's a Yorkie mix. I really looked at a lot of Yorkies. I think, you know, I was going through this thing. I've lost people in my life and that's hard enough. Mm-hmm. But with dogs, you kind of know when you sign up, you're getting a dog. It's probably going to be, you know, 10 to 15 years if you're lucky. I didn't get 10 years. I got just about 10 years, I guess, with Sicily. But I started getting in touch with rescues and Yorkie breeders all over my area that I would be able to drive to. And I probably talked to two dozen people. And it was like I wanted one, but I wasn't sure. And as it turns out, the first person that I contacted never got back to me. But then I think it was like September she sent me an email and said, I think I found the right dog for you now. Ah. And I thought, wow, that was the first one I contacted, like, in the very yeah. beginning when I started to. Oh. So 
I actually drove to the Blue Ridge Mountains and I got this dog. She's a little pipsqueak, but she's so different. She, she's not as quirky as my other dog, but she—I yeah, shouldn't say that she has other quirks in other ways. But yeah. I just, yeah. I, there's a line in my book that says, um, with dogs, like I have friends that say, "Oh, I will never do that again. I will never get mm-hmm. another dog. This is too, this is too sad. That you know, losing people in life mm-hmm. is one thing, but I'm not doing that." But I've just—I always just like the companionship of dogs. I'm kind of a one-dog woman, so I just do yeah. one at a time. But there's a yeah. line in the in the novel that says, "I will never understand why dogs get, don't get to live for so long." Um, mm-hmm. But it's something how they always manage, manage to live just long enough for me to know I want to share my love with another someday. And that's kind of how mm-hmm. I feel. I mean, I did grieve, and I and I will always miss Cicely. All of my dogs were so different, and I think you love each one differently. Do you feel like any of your any of your prior dogs were the same dog? Like some like sometimes people say, um, they you know they'll they'll get their next animal and they're like, I swear it's the same personality. It's the same soul as the other one. Not always. Sometimes that happens. But do you yeah. feel like there's like any of them could have been the same, the same soul or were they all you know, so different? That, no, they were all so different. And it's funny because mm. they're all the same breed. You would like uh, my UPS man yeah. said, oh, is this the replacement dog? I'm like, there's <laughs> no replacement. There's no replacement for a dog. Mm-hmm. But no, no, I haven't. But I have to tell you, the dog and, and the thing is, she's he's kind of a composite because all of my all of my Yorkies and all of my pets, and I think this is true for a lot of people. But because it's like this ten to fifteen year span, they all marked different eras of my life, like my childhood, and I lost my dad yeah. when I was really young, and then mm-hmm. I went through a couple of years of being sick, and that dog became like he was the old soul, mm-hmm. the little man kind of that I kind of see yeah. Prozac looking like. And then this dog that I had with, with Cicely, she would come with me to visit. I always wanted her to be a, a, ther- a therapy dog, and she mm-hmm. could never pass the test, I think, because she had that submissive <laughs> urination. That wouldn't that would be traumatic for people she's trying to give therapy to. <laughs> so I had never worked, but I would take her with me to independent living facilities or, or to visit friends and or friends' parents or something. And I always felt like she was the dog that brought me a little bit out of my shell because I was able to go visiting mm-hmm. with her. I felt like each dog, I can't say any of them were the same. No, they're very different. Mm, but yeah. that's interesting that I would have created the dog in the book to have the same soul and just keep being reincarnated. So Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And so I was going to ask you if you ever worked in an independent living facility because it's, it's such a big part of the book and it was it was so, the characters were great and I just felt like I was, there um but you did so you took your your dog to the independent living facilities to spend time with them so you have you have that experience yeah and i always felt like when i brought the dog out um, i'm essentially a homebody i write every day and i go out and i take my dog out and it it connects me i think dogs lead people to other people and when i would bring Cicely with me to these to visit wherever if i was in a, a an independent living or even in someone's home and meeting other people, everyone, I think I even say it in the book, that the dog is like a truth serum. When someone sees a dog, I think it evokes, like I just said, different eras of their own life, that it's Uh a beautiful gift to watch how people respond to dogs, especially if they're in an independent living facility and they don't have a dog of their own, although some independent living facilities do allow dogs now. But when they see the dog, they are so open and they want to talk and tell you stories that I thought, wow, this is really something, how the dog is, has this ability. And I thought, gee, the stories people have to tell, and I, I, I wove all that into the book uh, it, yes. with all those mm-hmm. characters. Did you write when you were young? Like, were you a kid who kind of was always telling stories? No, I'm the, I'm the youngest child, and I have 
three very uh, overachieving siblings are very popular <laughs> and outgoing, and I was nothing. I was nothing like that. I was the quiet one, <laughs> the shy one who was like mm-hmm. morbidly shy and in the corner and very introverted. I guess I'm not really shy. I'm introverted. But then uh, my older sister, she um, kept a journal, and I was always enamored. Like, she kept this thing under lock and key, and I thought, like, she's not letting me in on this at all. So I'm going to just do my own journal, and she's going to see what it feels like. So I started journaling, and and that became just a journal of, like, my day-to-day activities. Talk about uninteresting. Um, But then... (laughs) When I was about, let's see, about 14, my father died, and that was a tough time, and I think the journal took on a total different meaning at that point, because I had a lot of Mm. feelings I was dealing with, and you're a teenager, Mm -hmm. so I I think that's when I first started to write, and then I thought I was going to be a photographer. I uh, was in yeah. my family. Um, my grandfather worked for Movie Tone News. He was he edited the news reels, and it was like oh, my, I love that. Yeah, yeah. So, and that was that. My paternal side of the family was everything to do with film and movies and the whole family. Um, and then I thought I was going to become a photojournalist. And when I got to college, I realized I don't really have the personality for this. And I took a woman's studies course, and I had to write a, an essay. And I wrote about my parents' marriage, which I felt epitomized everything that I would want for marriage. Like it was mm-hmm. a wonderful marriage. And then it was like a soul-filled connection, what I wanted for my own life. And uh, I remember reading that essay in the middle of this very big amphitheater. And when I, I was so nervous, my knees were like knocking behind the podium. Like mm-hmm. I don't think I was aware of my situation until people started cheering and I could see people were crying. Oh. Like, And it was so oh. moving that I thought, oh, maybe this is something that I should consider. And so I started slowly oh, to move away from so, photography. so yeah. beautiful. Yeah, so I decided that I think I'm going to move away. And then in my 20s, I had some physical challenges that kept me kind of housebound and off my feet for a while. And I started mm-hmm. to really read and write, and that's when everything I said, I'm going to do this. I think i got to do this. This is what I think I'm supposed to do. That's incredible to, ha- to, to bring people to tears with your essay in college. It's, yeah, like... That's a sign. Yeah, that like, was, you you can do this. Yeah, I thought very, I, I will never forget that moment because I think that was like wow. a watershed that I thought, wow, this is some like you you know you're writing in your journal all those years and you're not really thinking about it and then you write something and it had deep meaning for me. It, I mean, writing is so hard that if you don't feel an emotional connection to what you're doing, I think that's going to show to people. You know, mm-hmm. you have to have that that sense of resonance that it's in you, and that translates to people. How how deeply right. personal it can be. Yeah. What are you working on now? Uh, well, I'm working on two things actually. I'm working on another d- dog book, and it's going to have another oh, spirit yay. guide dog in it. Yeah, so oh, it's going to be yay. another escapist romantic comedy, and it's it's largely about your dreams and how. Um, mm-hmm. You, you don't want to give up on them, but I have to tell you mm-hmm. the stories about broken dreams and when what happens mm-hmm. when they're smashed a bit, when you think like the miracle's never going to come and how mm-hmm. you you know can move on with that. So it's again, the dog is coming to try to help somebody get their life back on track. And I'm oh, also I love it. Brink, I can't wait. Yeah. I'm also on the brink of ready to market another book. Now, this is a book minus a dog because there's so many people that <laughs> – so many people that wanted a dog and so many people that didn't want a dog. So I said, you know what? I'm going to try to finish this one. This one has no magical realism and has no dogs. Okay. This one's more about it's about three professional women, and they're embroiled in a corporation, and they're each facing a romantic challenge in their life. So I tried to, like, explore that that messy intersection between professional mm-hmm. and the personal. And it, it kind mm-hmm. of touches on topics from today 
um, with yeah. the whole Me Too movement. Uh, like I'm watching all that play out and this yeah. crusade to strip men of their power and all this other stuff. And I kind of, I took an entertaining look at, at women and uh, I don't know, I've always felt like women are, are much greater influencers than people think they are, for better mm-hmm. or for worse. Mm-hmm. So in this book, they're influencers to these men who, you know, have, they are empowering these women, but at the same time, they're equally trying to squelch their motivations, their drives, their ambitions. So it's kind of, uh-huh. it's fun. I shouldn't, it's not heavy, but I do mm-hmm. touch upon that. And it's, while the corporation is like the Titanic sinking ship, these women have to navigate through their corporate life and their personal life. But there's some suspense. There's a little bit of romance in it. It's a fun book, even though it's, yeah, yeah, it's a total departure. But my, like I said, my other two books were very mainstream women's fiction. This Mm -hmm. one is mainstream women's fiction. I'm so excited for both of your books. I'm so excited for you. And I'm, I'm so happy that we did this. Oh, well, I can't thank you enough. You're awesome. Oh, you are too, and I can't wait for your new book that's coming out in the fall, correct? Thank you. I think so. I hope so. Where can everyone find you? Uh, they can find me. I have a blog. Uh, it's it's www.kathleengerard.blogspot.com. I actually write for a publication of the book industry, so that's filled with all of my um, writings that awesome. I do on books and mm-hmm. authors. Awesome so they book can find me there. Yeah. Oh, yep. thank you. Yeah, so they can find me there, and from there there'll be information about my books and what I'm working on and whatever. Perfect. And you're on uh, Twitter too, right? Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Uh, Twitter Mm -hmm. at Kathleen Gerard and on Facebook at KathleenGerard.Writer. I'll put the links in the show notes. Thank you again so much. Thank you, Fern. It was a pleasure to talk to you, and thank you, and keep up the great work. Thank you for listening to Signs from the Other Side. You can find me, Fern Rone, on all social media at Fern Rone, R-O-N-A-Y. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so there can be more episodes of Signs from the Other Side in the future. Thank you again and sweet dreams.